This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin, and thank you for joining me for episode number 21 of the Brew World Order Podcast. Today I sit down with the lovely couple Steve and Kathy Bluestone of Rojan Brewing Company in Hillsdale, New York. Steve and Kathy retired to Hillsdale, decided this place could use a brewery. They found an old building, and with a year and a half of renovations, it came to life. But little did they know, a month after opening, they'd have to shut down due to COVID. So what's happening with Steve and Kathy now? Take a listen for yourself. Enjoy. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is the Brew World Order podcast, and today I'm with Steve and Kathy Bluestone of Rojan Brewing Company in Hillsdale, New York. Steve and Kathy Bluestone saw huge potential in the old Hillsdale Merchantile building, a structure that dates back to 1851. They purchased the building in June of 2018 and started to renovate. What was to become of the historic building? A beautiful brewery and restaurant. They continued to build their business by hiring head brewer Harley Shine and chef Charles Keeley to complete everything they needed for great food, great beer, and amazing ambiance. And in February of 2020, Rojan Brewing Company opened its doors to the public. Steve and Kathy, how are you? Good. Great. Thank you. And thank you for being with me. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about your whole renovation process? What was that like for both of you? Uh, Backbreaking, literally. I haven't felt this bad (laughs) physically in my whole life. The heavy lifting is over. Right. Did you hire a whole bunch of people? Did you do the work yourself? Like, what was that? What was that all like? Yes, everything above. Uh, I've been in the construction world for my whole working career. Uh, Not necessarily building breweries, although I did build a couple of restaurants, but um, I was a real estate developer and general contractor in the New York City area for um, four decades or so. Nice. And um, so I brought my skill set to this project and acted as general contractor for ourselves. How long was that whole process from start to, to finish? We bought the building on June 1st. The building had to be lifted up to change the foundation. So we started construction on June 8th. Um, got our CLO on December 31st of 2019. Everyone tells me that it was really fast. To me, it was really slow, but about a year and a half of construction. Uh, we also have the breweries on the lower level of the building, the restaurant, dining room, largely on the main floor, uh, first floor. Right, yes. There's also two more, two more floors with seven rental apartments above. Awesome. So what went into the whole ambiance of it? How was that designed? There were a couple angles. One is that we were going for historic preservation tax credits. Okay. The building was in horrendous shape when we bought it. Like Steve said, it had to be lifted 10 feet in the air so we could replace the foundation. Right. And then the upper levels were bowing because the foundation was in such bad shape that the upper levels couldn't really, the walls weren't supporting themselves. It was being held together by a cable. There were beams that were missing all over the place. It was a big job. Right. And in order to get the um, tax credits, we had to restore it to its original appearance. For example, there were some apartments that we couldn't add windows to because we couldn't add windows that weren't historically there. Right. You couldn't change the outside of the building. Right. We couldn't put like solar panels on the roof because solar panels didn't exist in 1851. Right. Right. (laughs) 
on the construction side, um, a lot of it had to do with researching what the building used to look like, um, negotiating with um, the state historical preservation people about what we could or couldn't do. That's sort of what dictated the exterior. Interior, we worked with Carrie Harrington, who is a local interior designer who did a fabulous job in sort of trying to maintain a somewhat modern feel, but with a nod to the past. And I think she really pulled it off very well. We incorporated a bunch of artifacts that we found in the building. So for example, our bar is built around an, um, an agricultural grain hopper that was in the building and is right in place where it was found. So we built an octagonal bar around the hopper. Inside, it's got rustic references, but there's a modern feel to it as well. A little hard to explain, but everybody who walks in the door says it makes them feel good to be in there. So we feel like we really achieved something. Yeah, I saw the pictures and it looks absolutely amazing inside. It's a beautiful job. And I, I worked in construction for 15 years and I still do it on the side. And I mean, I was just uh, in awe at what it looked like before and what it looks like now. It's pretty amazing. As Kathy mentioned, with the exception of maybe one or two doors and perhaps one window in the whole building, we, we brought it back to we, the way we think it looked in 1850 or 1851. Uh, on the inside of the building, with the exception of a couple of staircases and odds and ends, the place had been gutted, and there were no interior photos showing what it looked like in 1850. So we, 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 we treated it with respect and gave it an old look, and but there were certain modern amenities like a sprinkler system, an elevator, and things that you know we were able to put in there because you know it was just a clean slate on right. the interior. Right, things that are needed today. Very cool. You opened in February of 2020. I don't think anybody saw 2020 being the end of the world as it is right now. Um, what it, what was it like uh, for you to have to, how are you coping with everything? Um, it was a bit of a shell shock because um, honestly, opening the brewery piece of it itself was the easy part. The opening the restaurant was much is much more complex endeavor uh, there's just way more staff and moving parts where the brewery we have two people um the the restaurant had over 30 employees right well uh, our, our initial desire was to open a brewery uh not a restaurant we thought well a restaurant would be a nice thing but, and maybe someone else we can lease the space to or whatever and have someone else run the, own the restaurant because neither one of us really had the experience or desire Right. to do that. Well, it turns out that if you put a brewery in a building and you run beer lines to a bar in a restaurant in the same building, New York State, they say you need to have the exact same ownership of both entities. You can't cross that party wall. You can't send the beer from one to the other unless it's the same owner. Opening a brewery is not easy, but running one is a lot, a lot easier than running a restaurant. And right, right, right. And now we're doing both, you know, until until we retire or someone offers us, a, you know, a lot of money. Uh, that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> so my question is, where did the idea for a brewery come from? Since I was 16, I guess a, a, a big fan of beer, that is drinking beer. Oh, maybe 10 years ago, I think I bought a home brewing kit, but not for me, for my daughter. 
Okay. And she, and she actually used it quite a lot in her own apartments and made some pretty good beer. And I never, I never thought about doing it myself. I did think about it, but I never did it. We, we live in this town, Hillsdale, now, where we built a house years ago, three and a half years ago, decided to make this home. I don't know about you, but I spent most of my life making lists, you know, organizing my thoughts about things that have passed with projects and things that maybe I want to accomplish in the future. I guess about three years ago, I had left my old career and I was doing some dabbling and this and that. And one day I was looking at one of my to-do lists, literally a handwritten to-do list. I was going down, all right, fix the shed, paint the wall. And then I saw the word brewery on my list. What inspired me to write that word? But I must have had the idea. That would be a cool thing to do up in this area. Right. Because there weren't weren't that many. No, I had the time. Had the money. Don't have that money anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And started looking, researching, looking, thinking about it. And uh, here we are. A lot of lessons. A lot of of learning. We had to do a lot of research. We had some help. We had some good help. And now we are brewers. Oh, and by the way, while we were building the building, I did go buy that kit to make beer. Right. I said, I said damn, if I'm going to own a brewery, even though <laughs> I'm getting on in years, I'm not going to be lifting stacks of grain because my back is not so great. I said, but I really should know how to make beer. So I bought a kit and I made one batch of beer and it came out really good. And I was real pr- proud of myself and I haven't used the kit since because I'm kind of busy finishing a brewery and a restaurant. Right. <laughs> but... Were there any uh, uh, breweries or things that you listened to, books maybe, that that you were inspired by? Uh, I'll have to tell you about a a gentleman uh, named Bill Newman. Bill and I share uh, an interest, and neither one of us do it anymore, but in a certain kind of folk dancing called Morris dancing, which comes from England. Okay. We both share that interest, and we used to meet up with our groups. And Bill, um, back in 1980 was married, had two daughters, packed his bags, he and his wife, and they moved to England because he was a beer aficionado, and he said you know, he wanted to learn how to make beer at a brewery, and he wanted to do it in England because he liked that kind of beer. Okay. So he did that. They packed their bags, they went over to England, he apprenticed or worked at some breweries and learned you know, how to do it himself. He came back to Albany, New York. According to him, he opened the first microbrewery east of the Rocky Mountains uh, since Prohibition, and okay. in, and back in nineteen early nineteen eighties, I used to drink his beer, a lot of his beer, at these dancing events, and his beer was phenomenal. It was really, really, really good. He got out of the business a few years later. I think he was way ahead of his time. You know, back then, a fine beer was maybe Michelob right. versus Budweiser, and you know, no one knew what a microbrewery or a real craft beer was because they didn't have the expression craft beer then. And I reached out to him and I said, Bill, uh, I moved up not too far away from you. I want to open a brewery. Can you help us out? And he said, sure, uh, I'll be happy to consult with you. And we hired Bill as a consultant and he did hold our hands for quite a bit of the process on the brewery side. He taught people like, um, I can't think of his name, the owns Boston Beer Company, um, Bill. Sam Adams? Yes, Sam Adams. My friend Bill Newman taught him how to make beer. He taught Jim how to make beer. He, Bell's Brewery was really successful oh, in the Bell's? Midwest. Okay. He taught, he taught Mr. Bell how to make beer. He was uh, sort of a grandfather in this world. You know, he was ahead of his time, unfortunately, financially for him. If he had done it 10, 20 years later, he'd be a lot richer than he is today, probably. But he's doing okay. 
he definitely had the credentials and the experience level and introduced us to a lot of people, including our group. Introduced us and one thing led to another. Haley uh, and her husband moved out here last September right. to become our brewer. Very cool. Yeah, that was actually going to lead me to my next question of how you went about finding your brewer and your chef. Another friend of ours in our town, his name is Ron Bixby, and Ron for many years has uh, run his own uh, cider operation, Organic um, Orchard, small orchard, who does most of the work himself, very small operation. One day, Ron asked, he knew what we were doing, and he said, hey, where are you getting your equipment from? Because I want to expand my operation, and I need to uh, look and see where, you know, what's out there and, you know, how to figure out what some new fermenters and tanks and whatever. So we introduced him to Bill Newman. Right. And Bill knew probably nothing about hard cider at that time. And the two of them, just about the same age, hit it off magnificently. And Ron agreed to, you know, have Bill consult him. The two of them packed their bags and went to, there's an annual large Art Cider Conference that takes place in Chicago. So they both went out there for a few days. So, so Bill, there's Bill. He knows that we're doing brewing, but he's at an Apple Cider, Art Cider Conference with this guy, Ron. So we're, they were going back to the airport. This conference was just about over, and Bill decided to slide into one more session. He went into a big room, sat down in the front row, center, to hear the presentation. I think it was a tasting and discussions. And there's going to be some awards given, the best signers and whatever. And as he's waiting for this thing to start, along came this woman who sat down next to him, and they started chatting. And this woman, Haley, who's now our brewer, who has been a brewer for a long time for several breweries nationally, uh, said, well, you know, I've been a beer brewer for a while, and this is where I've done this and this and this. But in the last several years, I'm also getting into hard cider. And Bill, of course, was on the lookout for a brewer for us. And a little light bulb went off in his head. And he says, oh, we got to talk. Haley came out once on her own with a lot of her samples of beer that she brewed and ciders. And then came out again with her husband to scope out the area. And one thing led to another. And Haley now uh, works partly for us and partly for Ron. And we're just in the same town, a couple miles away, all producing wonderful beverages. That's how we found her. And and in addition to Haley, I don't want to leave out um, a local chap named uh, Jeff Egan, who has had done home brewing on his own for ten years, large batches of home brewing, and worked at a local brewery, Big Elm in Sheffield, Mass, okay. for maybe a year and a half. On um, uh, we hooked up with him. I met him at the tasting room at Big Elm. And before we knew Haley, we hired Chef. Uh, we hired Jeff to work with us on the construction and some research projects. And uh, since he was a little greener than Haley, uh, we decided we needed Haley, and we liked Jeff, and he's still working with us. And they work together well. And uh, that's our brewery crew. Very cool. We had met Haley in February, March, 2019. And she agreed after a couple months that she was coming out. But beginning of the summer 2019, we still hadn't, we still didn't have a chef. It's hard to recruit kitchen people where we live. It's just for everybody. And it's also hard to say, hey, we want to hire you for a job that's like nine months from now. Right. Um, Because nobody really wants to do that. So 
so over the summer of 2019, we started earnestly looking for people. And one of the women who is our public relations manager, um, Joanna Varello, was talking to another um, restaurant owner in town, David Worth, who owns Crossroads. And David said, I know you're looking for a chef, and I'm, I have a friend who I used to work with in the city um, who's up here now, and he's looking for a gig, and he introduced us to Charlie, basically. Charlie, um, with his wife, Sharon Pachter, um, used to run a restaurant in the city in Brooklyn called The Grocery. Several years ago, they decided after 16 years of 80-hour weeks, they were um, ready to move on. So they closed The Grocery, and they moved up to Columbia County. But while the grocery was in operation, it was consistently ranked among the top 30 in New York City. It was a small restaurant, really? but very well loved. It, it was, he was very fortunate for us because he has um, 40 years of experience running restaurants. I think this was the fourth restaurant he helped open. There were so many logistics and things to work out that we would have never figured out on our own. Right. But he was able to bring all that experience to the table. Uh, so when it comes to, uh, the beers that you guys choose to make, does Haley have full control over that? Or is there like some say on your part? I mentioned earlier about this affiliation I had with this English form of dancing called Morris dancing. Right. When, um, Morris dancers get together, um, oftentimes there's a bit of beer consumed. Right. Um, and, um, it just just so happens. Um, oftentimes, because the dancing form came from England, many times that beer can be you know an English type beer. So my favorite type of beer is like an English bitter. Right. You know, ESB. Right. Yes. I, 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 the nickname I give for that kind of beer is beer that tastes like beer. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> it just doesn't. It's not pretentious and it's not all over the place. It's not right. sour. It's not sweet. It's just beer. Um, so when we hired Haley and Jeff, we sat down to answer your question. We sat down. I said, so here's the rules. I want an English bitter on the menu, on the tap, 24-7, 365 days a year. I just want that kind of beer for me. That's my beer. Right. And, and of course, we named the beer. Uh, the gatherings, again, where all these Morris dancers often are called Morris Ales. Of course, they, they made the beer, and being talented brewers as they are, the beer was, is superb. Right. And, and I said, I said, we have 12 taps. One of them is dedicated to a hard cider that Haley and Ron make down the road from us. Right. And the other 11 taps have beers, and I said, you can do whatever you want, the other 10 beers, as long as I get my Morris, my ESB. Right. And, and so they really had a lot of, I mean, they discussed what their intentions were, but we kind of gave them free reign. Very cool. And, and, and they, they took that challenge and succeeded greatly. Haley's philosophy, which obviously she could articulate much better than I can, but I've heard her articulate it a number of times, so I'll try to do it justice. Um, she really believes in creating well-balanced beers. She wants to make a beer that you want to come back and drink again and again, not something that's a trend, super trendy that's like, well, that was interesting to drink, but I'm only going to try that once. Right. With the whole COVID situation, I don't know, you're not allowed to have people in the, the brewery or the restaurant at the moment. Is that right? Up by you? Right. right. So, we're, allowed to, we're allowed to do takeout. 
Right, um, do takeout. So how are, how are you doing that? Do you have uh, canning, or is it just crawlers and growlers? It's, well, we were so young. I mean, we were only open for five weeks, really. Right. Um, and we were just, we had just, by the, when we had to close our doors, we had basically just gotten kegs, and we were starting to explore distribution um, and then everything got shut down. So um, we hadn't gotten into canning yet, although we're just about to have a mobile unit come out right. um, in a couple of weeks. Our last day open was March 15th. And then we were sort of in shell shock for a couple of weeks and we didn't do anything. We didn't do takeout. We, we just sort of went home and said, I don't know what we're going to do next. But then we kind of got off our couches and said, we got to get beer out of the building. So we opened in early April for takeout for growlers only. And then um, everybody kept asking for food. So we brought Charlie back in as well. That very small kitchen staff started doing food takeout as well. That's great. What would be some advice for somebody that was opening their own brewery? If you don't have experience in a certain area, find people who do to work with you. If you're somebody who has experience in brewing, but not finance, find a person to help you with the finance with any startup business. There's a lot of things you can figure out on your own, but it's, it will help avoid those big mistakes that you could make if you just try to guess. Right. When people consult with me or ask me my opinion about building a house, a custom house for themselves, I kind of tell people, well, Figure out what your budget is. Go hire your architect if you're doing that. If your budget is $200,000, I'm making up a number. Tell your professionals, your engineers and architects, you only have 100000 Right. And then you'll come in right on budget. Everything costs twice <laughs> like, what you think is going to cost. And, 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 the, and the story of the brewery is not, not unlike that. So in our situation, you know, here we had this building, bare, really bare, with a crumbling foundation. And in a small town where you don't have a really big central sewer system and you don't have town water and you have a big building, watch out. And, and I should have known better, but again, this is my first foray in, in the country to do something this big. And uh, a lot of unknowns popped up like the central sprinkler system that we had to put in right. water to feed a sprinkler system. Well, if there's no town water, we need to create a tank farm. And that added incredible expense. And so it's, you know, if you're going to go into an, and some of the worst stories that we've heard by default and wounding and from people we've talked to, other breweries that have started recently in areas, um, if you're in a rural area, you're going to do a brewery, really do your homework about your waste stream. I mean, it's critically important you figure out when you're cleaning your tanks, uh, where that effluent goes when you're washing down tanks or chemicals or whether it's just the organic matter. If it's going into a tiny town sewer system, it's going to overwhelm it and they're not going to want it. Right. And they're going to shut, they, they may shut you down. So you need, to, as in our case, we had to create a separate series of storage tanks like us, like you have in your house, so septic tanks that have to get pumped out once every two weeks and trucked away. State and local agencies are getting, as breweries grow, um, uh, for instance, uh, the story I heard while we were building is up Arlington, Vermont, big college town, lots of breweries, and has their own big central sewer system. And 
probably eventually goes into Lake Champlain, uh, let one brewery after the other open up the city. And they didn't think about this and they didn't pay any attention to it. And now they're having issues where they're being overwhelmed by the, it's the organic matter that comes out of the waste process of beer that is like sugar in a, a kid going to a candy shop. It, it hurts the bacteria in the sewer system. Right. What all this stuff? And, and now the city is having to figure out how to deal with this because they said yes to everyone and they, created their own problem right that's pretty crazy and, and, yeah and i don't i don't think they're going to let another brewery open up there unless they do all their own treatment on site which there's another two hundred thousand dollars plus a building to house the equipment to treat your own brewery waste if you're a small brewery right two hundred thousand. that's all <laughs> yeah um, so drop it drop in the bucket no big deal yeah right just to add one more sort yeah. of positive thing is um I'd encourage people to reach out to their local um, economic development corporation or whatever they call them in their town. Um, the one that we have up in Columbia County was invaluable with us. They, um, I wrote the business plan um, and they found um, a consultant that for free um, evaluated the plan and helped me tighten up the financials a lot. Um, I have an MBA, so I'm pretty comfortable with finance, but this was even more help um, another pair of eyes and they also connected us with a bank that turned out to be an excellent lender um, who also has given us a lot of guidance during the whole payroll protection program application process and things like that so so these sort of local government resources can be very helpful and they don't cost anything gotcha did you happen to have a funny story for us well, just how we got started, that to me was funny. No, no, we haven't smiled in two years. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't know. All right. I have a little uh, segment called Quick Fire Five. It's just five quick questions, one to two word answer or whatever. And you ready? Shoot. All right. Somebody comes into your brewery. What's the one beer you recommend they try? 22.5. It's the IPA. Okay. Marisale for me. Marisale, all right. Uh, favorite favorite brewery other than your own? Captain Lawrence opened up, and I, I, thought I was in their place from almost day one. Captain and, Lawrence, uh, great. I did great like beers. that place. I like their beer, but uh, they got pretty large. All right. Uh, next one would be favorite style of beer. Uh, Kathy doesn't have. She drinks sour now, and I've already told you about it, I guess. Uh, ESB, right? Last beer you drank that blew you away? Uh, no, I'll give credit to a local brewery that I do like, Chatham Brewing Company. Chatham, C-H-A-T-H-A-M. And they have a, a, a rye uh, ale, I guess they call it, called uh, Farmer's Daughter. Okay. And I, like that, I like that a lot. Farmer's Daughter, got it. And you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. What keg of beer would that be? <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say, but hey. Yeah, yeah, so let's move on. Next question. <laughs> okay, well, that was it. That was the five questions. <laughs> All right. Awesome. But uh, Steve and, and Kathy, thank you very much for being with me. I truly appreciate it. I'm Mike Curtin for Brew World Order Podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey guys, so that was my interview with Steve and Kathy. Hopefully you're able to take some tips away from that interview if you're looking to open a place of your own. Every other Sunday I'll be releasing another episode, so subscribe and you'll never miss it.
Also, don't forget to follow us on our social media sites for updates on the podcast. I'm Mike Hurton for the Brew World Order podcast. You stay safe out there.